And um, I don't know if people find they're too busy in their life or don't find it necessary in their life, but everything from what Craig was talking about, from what Winston was talking about, to some of the testimonies, um, quiet time is probably the most essential uh, duty you can do to be a good Christian or to have to realize your relationship with Christ is quiet time. Um, a lot of people are diligent to go to church. A lot of people are involved in Bible studies, retreats like this. But Winston told me a long time ago if he could, if he only could pick one thing to do for the rest of his life, it would be read the Bible and pray to God, which are the two essentials to a good quiet time. Um, because that's what Christianity really is all about, is your relationship with Christ. Um, back in the Old Testament, they had a law of do's and don'ts. And the awesome thing about Christ dying on the cross is he was our appropriation for our sins, since we're all sinners. And he allows us to have an intimate relationship with the, the king of the universe. And a lot of us, I see, at least a lot of the guys I meet with, and me personally, we forsake that chance to have a relationship. Uh, we let the busyness of life, and we let our own sin, and we let our own laziness um, get in the way of having a quiet time. So uh, in Ephesians chapter 1, whoever has Ephesians 1, 15 through 19, um, Paul actually has six different um, promises that God will give to you if you spend uh, time with him every day. If you just want to read that, it's Ephesians 1, 15 through 19, if you guys want to open your Bibles and uh, read along. For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love with all the saints, I have not, I have not stopped giving thanks to you, remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking that God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray also that your eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you to the riches of his glory and inheritance in the saints. And in the incredibly great power for us who believe that the power is like the working of his mighty strength. Yeah, thanks for reading that. So Paul says that God promises us six things if we um, can find 15 or 20 minutes each day to sit down and read his word and pray. He promises that he'll give us the spirit of his wisdom um, from out of his mouth. If you go back to Proverbs, which we're leader, every uh, knowledge and understanding came out of God's mouth. He says that he'll give you the revelation of the knowledge of him. Um, that's a pretty awesome promise that he'll reveal who he is to just a lowly man, a lowly man like us. He says that your, your eyes of understanding will be enlightened. And another word for understanding is actually obedience. That he'll show you, like uh, Craig was talking last night, that you know we ask God, please show me my sin so I can turn away from my sin. He'll, he'll reveal your sin to you. He'll show you what the hope of his calling is, basically what the purpose of your life is. He'll show you what the riches of the glory of the inheritance of the saints. He'll show you the eternal rewards he's promised to you in heaven. And he'll show you the exceeding great power towards us who believe in him. Um, and I was just thinking if somebody offered you, I was just thinking this morning, if somebody offered you, um, said, Jesse, I'll give you a million dollar job, but you're going to have to spend eight hours a day, seven days a week. You're going to have to work really hard to get this job. And after a year, if you prove yourself, I'll give you, you'll have this job for the rest of your life. How much time would you invest in, or how much energy would you put towards that? All energy. Yeah. And I would say that what God promises 
what the job pills in comparison with what God promises us. Um, but a lot of us, I know some of the guys I meet with my accountability group, uh, we can't even find 10 minutes a day to give to Christ. Um, so I would question if we really believe what he's saying that he'll give to us. Um, and we'll go through some of that later on. Um, I wanted to ask you guys what your definition of quiet time was. I'm trying to make this interactive, so. Um, Jesse? Spending time with God. Getting to know him better. Anyone else? Anybody else? That morning time of reading scripture and asking God to take me through the day. Because I'll be back tomorrow. (laughs) (laughs) And um, Wikipedia says, just some definitions I found. Wikipedia says it's a prayer and or private study of the Bible. Rick Warren uh, says appointment with God. Billy Graham suggests quiet time consists of three things, prayer, Bible reading, and meditation. Um, Some people call it the spiritual food for the person's soul. Others call it open-minded listening and waiting for guidance. So similar to what you guys said. Um, Jesus himself went off and had quiet time with the Lord. Um, And we'll read some of those scriptures uh, here in a little bit. Um, I just want to read one little thing. I found this lady's little devotional quote hopefully it pertains to this. I just want to read a couple paragraphs. I thought it was interesting. Um, pertains to what we're going to talk about today. Her name is Kay Johns. She said, For 46 years of my life, though I prayed, though I attended church regularly, I would have no answer, no. I didn't know our Lord, not in a personal way. I didn't even realize that I could or should. And because I didn't know him personally, I only knew about him. I didn't love him. I respected him. I worshipped him. I tried to obey him. But if he asked me, do you love me with all your heart? I could have only said no. I know now why. Most of my adult life, I tried and failed to have a daily quiet time, a time to pray and read the Bible. And because I had not spent time with him, I could not know him personally. I prayed, but always prayed on the run, and I did all the talking. Now, eight years later, I can say I have a consistent time with the Lord almost every day. I have the joy of experiencing a personal love relationship with Christ Jesus. It has nothing to do with what church we attend or what denomination we belong to. It has to do with being a Christian who spends enough time with the Lord and with his word to know the fundamentals of what I believe because I read and studied it for myself and because I have experienced the truth of it in a real and practical way. Um, This hit home with me because when she said that she knew God, I think most of us guys here at this retreat would say that we know God. And she said she respected God, she said she worshiped God, and she said she tried to obey God, but she said she didn't really love God. And that was hit home to me because I just looked at my own self and said, how much time do I spend daily getting to know the Lord? That's how much do I really love him or really want to get to know him. And whoever has Acts 17.11, can you read that? Now the Marines were of more and more noble character than Thessalonians, for they received the message with great eagerness and examined the scriptures every day to see if what Paul said was true. And that just backs up the Bereans. We actually had that quote, I think, once sooner. Was that you last night? Somebody read that, Bereans 1711. Um, just taking daily time to research and get to know the Lord. Um, one analogy that I thought of, and it's actually funny that Winston just talked about marriage, because I'm hitting my five-year wedding anniversary. This is my brother-in-law over here, so don't say anything. <laughs> and uh, marriage for us was tough at first, and it was just... Um, 
we kind of got married later in life in our 30s, and we both were set in our own ways. And um, when I was thinking about quiet time and about a relationship with Christ, I thought about my wife and my relationship with her. And it seemed like they both had one thing in common. And uh, what does it take for any relationship in life? What's the number one thing you have to have? Communication. Communication. And um, as I was researching this, I learned, or I knew this already, but communication is a two-way street. Um, some people say, well, I'm too busy in life. i got too much going on. But when I go to bed at night, I pray to God. Well, that's just a, really a one-way street. And what Quiet Time is about, what we're going to talk about today, is the two-way street. Is your way to get to know God is reading the Bible, and his way to get to know you, even though he already knows you, is praying to him. So those are the two essentials to Quiet Time. Um, we're going to talk about today and um, you know for the guy who says I just have time to pray I was thinking about that with my analogy with my wife if if I was to analogize that to my marriage and tell my wife these next seven days I'm too tired I'm going to tell you what I want but I don't want you to tell me anything what you want and I thought after that seven days how she would feel about our marriage and probably not very well so I just you know, for us not to get into the Bible every day and try to get to know the Lord, if you look from the Lord's perspective, it's probably pretty offensive to Him. Um, so that's what we're just going to talk about today, the intimacy with God, which Trevor kind of cued it up my quiet time message by making it sound a little more elegant. Um, it's just trying to find a way every day to get to know the Lord and pray to the Lord. Uh, first thing we're going to talk about is kind of some of the procedures of quiet time. Um, the first one is, when do we have quiet time? Um, I ask you guys, when do you guys normally have your quiet time? Anybody wants to? First thing in the morning. In the morning? Anybody else? I pray at night, but like I said, I don't do I just, just lay there and, you know, thank God mm-hmm. for everything I've got or if I'm having a problem, just tell me about it. Yeah. Yeah, it's not a two-way. I don't know what well, if we want to, uh, whoever has Mark one thirty-five, if you could read that, um, we'll see how the the Bible addresses when you should have quiet time. In the early morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went away to a secluded place and was praying there. Okay, so God got up early in the morning to pray. And we have Psalm five three. In the morning, O Lord, you hear my voice. In the morning, I will order my prayer to you, and you will watch. So I would just suggest the Bible seems to tell us that quiet time is best done in the morning. Um, one analogy to that is if you were to go on a trip, you wouldn't get to your destination and then look at the map. You would look at the map first before you got to your destination. I think that's kind of what God's saying is get into my word and, and pray to me in the morning, and then as we go through the day, I'll get you through the day. And I'll help talk. I'll, you can meditate on what you've read in the morning and get through the day. So, um, I know for me, I'm not much of a morning person. So sometimes having a quiet time in the morning takes. I know Jesse, you're, you fight with your alarm clock in the morning for your quiet time. So drive into work. So God wants us to have quiet time in the morning. Um, obviously, if you can't have it in the morning, any time during the day is um, great. But He says in the morning and. Where we should have quiet time. Whoever has Matthew 26, 36. Then Jesus went with them to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to his disciples, Sit here 
I go over there and pray. Okay, so Jesus was with his disciples, but he decided for his quiet time that he would get away from everyone. Um, also, Matthew 6 6, we were asked that But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. So again, uh, God tells us to go into a closet by ourselves. Um, what I came up with that is it's an intimate time for you and God, for you to shut off your cell phone, to get away from the kids, um, to not worry about what your schedule is for the day and really have communion with God. And he wants you to do that alone. Um, an analogy I had to that was if you had your 10th wedding anniversary, would you invite all your family members and friends to the to the fancy steakhouse, or would you just go with your wife? It's time for you and your wife to be intimate and alone with each other. And I think that what, that's what God wants for us. Um, the third thing I was going to talk about is, as far as how and when is the proper procedure. And the first thing I have is to be still and quiet. And what Paul was talking about, and it's kind of also in correlation to the place, is you need to clear your mind of all the worries. I know sometimes when I have quiet time, I think of the 18 different things I have to do during the day and I'll be it'll just pop into your mind out of nowhere oh I gotta go to the dry cleaners at 3 o'clock, I gotta do this at 4 o'clock and um, it's kind of annoying because you don't even know they're coming into your mind and they just come out of nowhere um, so to be still and quiet and then to read your word, um, again it goes back to there's a lot of great devotional books, there's a lot of great Christian books out there and there's a lot of other things but God really wants you to open his Bible to read his word because that's how you get to know him um, and then does anybody have uh, Psalm 119.97 yes uh, oh how I love your law it is my meditation all the day again just to meditate if you get into God's word in the morning you can meditate on what he's um, telling you you can think about how that relates to your life all through the day um, the next thing you do in a quiet time is to pray and we have Luke 5.16. So it was important for God to, or for Jesus to pray. So I would definitely think it's important for us to pray and to open your heart and to tell him exactly. Um, you can pray for others, pray for what you're going to face for the day. And that kind of like goes along with meditating on his word. It's something that helps you through the day. And finally, um, and uh, Craig kind of talked about it last night, it's great to have a quiet time. It's great to read his, read his word and great to pray, but you finally have to you have to obey God. So whatever he was telling you and whatever you're praying about, you have the choice to either obey it or not obey it. And does somebody have John 14, 23? Jesus answered and said to him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him. We will come to him and make our own will. So God says, if you love me, you'll um, keep my word. And the we'll make our house with you so um you know, it's finally just obedience is the final key to a good quiet time next thing we're going to is uh, the promises or the benefits of quiet time and we kind of talked about that in ephesians um but i have a few more verses that kind of back up why we should have a good quiet time with the lord um does anybody have proverbs 2 4 through 6 
So as I was talking about earlier, it says, From God's mouth came knowledge and understanding that he gives wisdom. But he first says that you have to seek for her as silver, and you have to search for her as hidden treasures. And I was just kind of contemplating that. I'm not much of a uh, history buff, but I know if you seek for hidden treasures, it's, some people devote their whole lives to find, trying to find a hidden treasure. And God makes an analogy. If you want to know him, it's like trying to find silver or a hidden treasure. And he says, not until then will you understand my fear, and not, and not until then will you find my knowledge, and not until then will I give you wisdom. So I think a lot of our Christian walks, especially with me, is we think that we can have quiet time a couple times a week, or we can go to church on Sundays, and all of a sudden we're going to have this awesome, loving relationship with, with Christ. And Christ says, it's just not that easy. You have to put time and effort into it before I'm going to give you all these benefits. Um, anybody have Proverbs 4 through 7? Can I share something on wisdom? Yeah. Um, did a study on wisdom and kind of looking at how the Hebrews went to the concept of wisdom. And from a Hebrew perspective, wisdom was knowledge that led to action. There was a direct correlation between the knowledge that led to action. They were very purposeful people. And that was, that's how they distinguished wisdom separate from the word knowledge. That's been helpful to me to start thinking about that God will give us wisdom because he's giving it to us to have action. Right. <clears throat> To, under, to truly understand that wisdom and turn it into action exactly. is the key. Take the knowledge. Wisdom is applying knowledge to action. And that's awesome you said that because the next verse corresponds right to that. Whoever has Proverbs 4, 7 through 9. The beginning of wisdom is this. Get wisdom and whatever you get, get insight. Prize her highly and she will exalt you and, you will honor you and will honor you if you embrace her. She will place on you the head of a yeah, and mine reads a little bit different. Mine says, Wisdom is the principal thing, therefore get wisdom. But in all you're getting, get understanding. And that's, I think, what you were talking about. Get into the Bible and learn all you can, but in all you're getting, get understanding, which is, to me, it was executed. Obey it. Otherwise, wisdom is just wisdom. Is that kind of what. A little with, bit what you're saying? The knowledge is the piece that. Information we can relate to in our own world is useless unless you have an application. I mean, you may have all the book knowledge you want, right. what scripture says, but if you're not applying it to your life, it means nothing. You're not getting to understand it, you're not applying it. So that's wisdom and knowledge. Um, God also gives us, uh, as we get to know Him through quiet time, gives us direction. And remember, as Proverbs uh, 16 9. The mind of man plans his way. The Lord directs his steps. I've been meditating on this verse for a long time, where it says, A man's heart plans his way. God gave us free will to plan our way, but the Lord directs his steps. So when I pray a lot, I pray for that direction. Um, he'll direct my steps in the, because I have no idea what I'm doing in life. I know what I want to do in life, but he's, the ulti- he's my ultimate father and um, provider. So. God promises he'll give us direction in our lives. Uh, Craig, you had a verse on peace last night. I think it was, was it John 16, 33. You guys can reference that. We're not going to read it. And then the final thing, uh, quiet time will give us is self-confidence through the day. And I believe Winston read it. I'll just read it here. Philippians 4, 13. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And to have that self-confidence through the day, no matter what you face, um, Christ is going to give you the ability to face whatever you got to face is a pretty awesome promise.
Anybody have any questions or? Jason? Do you want me to read The next thing we're going to go through is um, obstacles in quiet times. I know I face all of these obstacles in my own life with my own quiet times. Um, first one we're going to tackle is I found really three major obstacles. I'm sure there's quite a few more obstacles, but these are kind of general. You can probably file a lot of things underneath them as laziness. Whoever has a Proverbs 13 4. The soul of the sluggard craves and gets nothing. The soul of the diligent is made back. Yeah. And there's really two ways to look at quiet time as I was kind of researching it. You can either try to make time or you can try to find time or you can make time. And I think a lot of times in my life I say, well, if I get A, B, C, and D done and I've got a little bit of time left over for you, God, then I'll sit down with you. But what I thought about it is I'm just prioritizing other things ahead of God. Or you can try to make time, which is setting your alarm clock a little bit earlier or trying to get on some type of habitual reading habit or something with the Bible in the morning. Um, an analogy I thought for that was uh, if you had, let's say, you and your wife had some friends, your best friends, you hung out every weekend for 10, 15, 20 years, and they moved to another continent. And they decided to come back and visit you in Phoenix, Arizona. Would you try to find time for them, or would you make time for them? And um, obviously you would make time for them, and I think um, that's something we should think about. The second obstacle that I came across was busyness, which I'm sure you, all you guys can relate to. Um, especially, I only have one child. I know Jason has three. And a wife in medical school. God bless you. <laughs> so... Uh, my life is definitely less busy than uh, Jason's, but I'm sure everybody has a certain amount of busyness in their lives. And I'd actually never read this story in the Bible, but whoever has Luke 10, 38 through 42, you guys might want to open your Bibles to that because it's um, a little bit of a longer. It's Luke 10, 38 through 42. And I'll just set it up before you read it. Jesus enters the city, and he goes to a house, and there's two sisters in there, Mary and Martha. And Jesus comes and sits down, and Mary comes right at his feet. And she sits there and looks up and listens, and, she, and it says, I'm just listening to the Lord. And Martha's running around, cooking, getting the table ready, just busy as all heck. And she comes up to Jesus and says, look at my sister. Look how lazy she is. She's just sitting there. And she says to Jesus, tell her to do something. And Jesus says, she's doing the right thing. You'll never take away what she's learning right now. So, if you want to read that. Now, while they were on their way, it occurred that Jesus entered a certain village, and a woman named Martha received and welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister named Mary, who seated herself at the Lord's feet and was listening to his teaching. But Martha... Do I read the one in the parentheses? Mine has, like... It's, it's, uh, what's it called? It's like a... Uh, Amplified version? Just keep reading out. Okay. Overly occupied and too busy, was distracted with much serving. And she came up to him and said, Lord, is it nothing to you that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me, to lend a hand, and to do her part along with me. But the Lord replied to her by saying, Martha, Martha, 
you are anxious and troubled about many things. There is a need of only one, or but a few things. Mary has chosen the good portion, that which is to her advantage, which shall not be taken away from her. Yeah. So I, I thought that was awesome that just as far as busyness that um, Jesus says himself out of his own mouth, I don't care about the 18 things you have to do. What I care about is if you're getting to know me and if you love me. And um, <coughs> it's just in the society and the culture we live in today, it seems like we have a lot of Marthas out there running around and uh, not a whole lot of Marys. So I just thought that was an awesome story about business. And in First Peter 5.8, I don't think anybody has it, but it says... Your adversary, the devil, walks around like a roaring lion seeking who he may devour. And I think Satan wants us to be busy. He wants us to have 18,000 things going on. Um, he wants us to distract us and make us tired. And that's another reason maybe getting up in the morning and have a quiet time is a good thing. Because if you try at the end of the day, um, you'll have plenty of excuses why, you're, why you can't get into a quiet time. The last obstacle I found, and this is kind of always been my problem with quiet time is if somebody wants to it's sin and if somebody wants to read Psalm 40 11 and 12 withhold not your tender mercy from me O Lord let your loving kindness and your truth continually preserve me for innumerable evils have compassed me about my iniquities have taken such hold on me and that I am not able to look up they are more than the hairs of my head, and my heart has failed me and forsaken me. So the psalmist basically says that uh, so many inequities have surrounded him that he's not able to look up anymore. He's not able, he has so much guilt and shame. And I think a lot of us, um, sometimes when I'm struggling with the sin, I don't feel worthy to sit down and have a quiet time with the Lord because I feel like I can't. Um, if I can't overcome this sin on my own, then I don't deserve to sit in front of you. But I would say reverse. I would say when you're in those situations that that's the most important time for quiet time because the Lord will turn your sin around and he will reveal it to you and he will help you deal with it. It's just the fact, um, you know, we don't, none of us want to be hypocrites. And um, I know when I deal with quiet time that um, that's one of the things that kind of gets in my way. Anybody have any other obstacles? they face with having a quiet time. Sure. Something about my own life. I, uh, I grew up in a home with a father who was very emotionally cold and we never discussed anything about feelings. Never. And uh, my mom was uh, mentally ill and depressed most of the time. And she was a little more now that I just struggle in general in all of my relationships you know, in terms of relating intimately on an emotional level. I don't know if anybody else here relates on that. But, uh, so I found that to be true in my relationship with God in terms of getting it out of just a mental exercise and actually being in you know, a relationship. And sometimes I think I'd use that as an excuse what I really found is, is that even if I don't feel like it, you just have to make yourself do it. 
and uh, just all those things on the list. I think all the kind of the play, the yeah. laziness, and everything else. Yeah. But yeah. I just thought I'd share that because I sense that there's probably other guys who struggle with the same thing. Yeah. I even the church I go to, my pastor even opened up one time and said that he went on a two month or three month period where he just didn't have it the motivation, and this was a pastor, he didn't have the motivation to open the Bible. He just couldn't do it. He couldn't physically open his Bible. And I think what you said is perfect. Sometimes you just have to. And then he said he just forced himself to do it every day. And then it, it started to open up, and that relationship started to come back. So I think kind of what uh, Craig said last night, sometimes you just have to obey. You just have to do it, um, even though it's not easy. Uh, the last thing I wanted to talk about is the consequences of not having a quiet time. And uh, we definitely have a, a jealous God who wants all of us. And I'm so grateful that he does want all of us. Um, and these are probably, to me, over my 10 or 11 years I've been a Christian, I picked three verses that scare the poop out of me, and they have for 10 years. And in some ways, they're probably the most beneficial Bible verses I've ever read. And it's very contrary to, I think, what the church teaches these days that everything's going to be okay just do what you can and if you can't figure a way out if you can't find a way to Christ then everything's going to be okay you were saved and all these things and uh, God tells a completely different story um, on these three and some of you guys probably know these verses but uh, whoever has Matthew 7 21 through 23 okay, uh, not everyone who says to me Lord Lord will enter the kingdom of heaven but he who does the will of my father who is in heaven will enter Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, do we not prophesy in your name, and in your name cast out demons, and in your name perform many miracles? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you practice lawlessness. And who is he talking to there in that verse? Professing Christians. Right. And that's the, that's the scary part. He's not talking to people who have no idea who Christ is. He's talking to me and you. And... He's saying that um, I never knew you depart from me. And um, that scares the heck out of me. That you can think that you're a Christian and you can think that you're assured of heaven. And Christ comes to you in that day and says, I don't even know who you are. And I think that's a direct correlation to not having a daily quiet time. Is to think that you can get away with um, sporadic quiet time or no quiet time at all and have a relationship with Christ. I would venture to say, I'm not sure, but I'd venture to say that um, a quiet time is essential to get to know God. And who has Romans one twenty one? I do. For even though they knew God, they did not honor Him as God or give thanks. But they became futile in their speculations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Yeah. And then who is he talking to? Tom and that. That verse. Yeah, it says, Although they knew God, he's talking to Christians again. And he says their thoughts became futile and their hearts became dark. And that scares the crap out of me also that you could be a Christian and be saved and someday that you, your heart could be hardened so much you can't even hear his voice anymore. And um, again, I think if you don't have some type of daily quiet time, that that's definitely. Um, could be a consequence in your life uh, for not having a good daily quiet time. So, road to degradation. Yeah. 
And then uh, finally, I'm sure a lot of you guys know uh, whoever has Revelation 3, 15 through 16. I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish that you were cold or hot. So because that you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. My Bible says I'll vomit you out of my mouth. Um, to, and again, I believe there he's talking to Christians. He's talking to people who profess to be Christians and again, might pick a day or two out of the week to um, get to know God. But they're just really lukewarm for God. And he says that he'll vomit those Christians out of his mouth. So, I mean, that motivates me. Those three verses motivate me to try to have a better quiet time. <laughs> um, and like Winston said, there's really no other way to get to know the Lord except for spending time with him. And um, I just encourage you guys, um, I'm definitely not an expert on the Bible or I don't definitely don't have the best walk. Um, but I know when I'm consistent with my quiet time that I feel the presence of the Lord with me as I drive through the day and as I go through the day and I, as I face things. Those, all those six benefits in Ephesians, I feel all that stuff in my heart. And when I don't have a quiet time, I feel like I'm just, uh, as it says in James 1, you're like a wave driven and tossed by the sea. I feel like I'm just at the world's peril. I'm just getting thrown around like a, like a, um, like a ball. And um, when I have consistent quiet time, I feel like I have a partner every single day of my life. And... I would just encourage you guys, if you're not having a good quiet time or if you're having a so-so quiet time, just to go home from this retreat and maybe reflect on how you could improve your quiet time and um, you know, just have a better relationship with God. What do you suggest we do to improve our quiet time? Just pick up the Bible and begin reading? Or the, I know you said at the beginning of this, there's a lot of uh, helpful books out there, but pretty much the Bible is what God wants to do. Yeah, and I'm not sure. What was your, what was your name? Dan. Dan? I think what Dan said is you just have to do it. Try to get consistent with it. There's a lot of reading schedules out there on the internet, or there's books where you can read the Bible for a year, um, or you can just open the New Testament, read a chapter each day. Um, you guys ever do the Proverbs deal? There's 31 Proverbs, you read one, whatever day of the month it is. You don't read that proverb that day. Uh, that's a somewhat of an easy plan to follow. It's not lengthy reading and Proverbs is jam full of good stuff. Oh yeah. The other thing too is the new apps on the phones, they allow you to do a right. as well. It'll even read you in the phone or you know, in the car while they're driving. So oh that's crazy. Yeah. 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 And it doesn't have to be, there's a little booklet in there called Seven Minutes with God that you guys can pick up. And even if it's only seven minutes a day, it's better than nothing. I think four minutes, I don't know if you guys, it's four or five minutes reading the Bible and like two minutes praying. Or four and three, something like that. Seven minutes, you're a important guy though. That's understandable. I always think on days that I miss something, well, I guess I thought that I didn't need God yesterday. Like that I was, I was good. What well, kind of goes back to your thing on pride last night? Your, yeah. your topic on pride last night. How'd that say? 
I heard a quote one time from Martin Luther. He said, I have so many things to do today. May have this. I have so many things to do today. I'm going to need at least two or three extra hours in prayer. I like it. <laughs> Whoa. That's, that's counterintuitive. I'd almost throw out there to, you know, to not neglect the prayer aspect of it. It's for me, you know, I'm, I'm bad at this, but I find myself just, just, just reading and not necessarily reflecting on it. So I try to live with myself to, if I am going to read, just do a chapter, no more than that, because mm-hmm. you don't want to turn it into right. a Bible study. I mean, it, Bible studies are good, there's a place for it, but the quiet time that's getting to know God more and having that come with them, and the prayer is a very important part of that. So right. don't underestimate prayer in that, that at least. Yeah. One of the things that Billy Graham said about meditation, too, I think part of the you can get so busy telling God what to do during the day, and I think just being still and putting on a little worship music and just soaking in the presence of God, mm-hmm. and that enables Him to communicate with us. Yeah. That's awesome. Sometimes in quiet time, it's helpful to read a, you know, a simpler translation, like the living translation, in quiet time, and just trying to get the meaning. They go to NASB in your Bible study and try to really get the word. This helps to kind of get away from some archaic language you may be struggling with if you're reading a different version but it wants to really more flowing English. That's a good idea. Other little help aids sometimes just that what we got here in the uh, Those are good too. Just I wouldn't replace those for the actual, for God's actual word. But I don't know. Maybe I have a different thought process on this. But you know, Christ went down to the desert and and, and communicated with his Father. But when he left here, he gave us the Comforter that dwells inside of us. And and I understand getting you know it gets busy, crazy sometimes in the mornings or just you know dog fighting the neighbor's dog. I mean, just insanity around you. And especially when when you want to start that program, the enemy's coming full blast to make sure that you don't start that program. But there is the the joy to know that, you know what? I have something that those originals, well, finally God, 57 days after Jesus went up. I have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, which is what they were given at Pentecost. I have I have Christ with me every minute of the day, and and, and I, I think it goes back to this gentleman's comment. Hey, I can I can go outside. I mean, people go outside for a smoke break all the time. How hard is it to go outside for a fresh air? You know, get away from the smoking section, but go out for the fresh air. I do it a lot. I go outside just to the Lord, talk to him, just walk around a little bit. And, you know, granted, it's on a farm, but at the end of the day. Sitting there going, Lord, just tell me what's going on. Things aren't going right. Uh, we need to change. I need to that right now. I need you to, because I, I know you're in me. Yeah. So I don't, I don't have to like call you up and hope that you're busy. You're inside of me. You're seeing what I'm seeing. You're dwelling with me. Show me your path. And, and I think, and I understand this busy scenario because you know being under Satan's yoke is busy. 
what Mark 135 says, that Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place. I'm just curious if you ever did your quiet time and you <coughs> actually left the house. I live in Phoenix. One other thing about I think the most intimate thing a husband and wife can do is, is to pray together. Not just blessing the food, but you know, just opening your heart to the Lord and inviting your your spouse into this intimate moment. And we used to do that walking together and we, we pray together in the morning, but um I know a lot of pastors who have great prayer lives, but they never pray with their wives. And just praying aloud together and having a conversational so you, one person doesn't pray for 20 minutes and the other. It doesn't have to be a big deal, but it, it's a very intimate time. And I think it's uh, two or three are gathered together. The Lord's there in a special way. So it's yeah, I've been going outside on like, big decisions. Which is, I probably should do it on more decisions. When I had a really significant decision to make, I've taken my Bible, gone out in the woods, and spent a couple hours thinking and reading and praying. And it was very beneficial. We go camping up. Yeah. <laughs> we go camping up north, my brother and I, and us, we go up in our, we have little campers and stuff, and I've been out in the woods a few times for quiet time. It's kind of a neat experience. To be out in nature and have quiet times. I'm not exactly sure that's what Jesus is trying to say. You have to do that, but it's interesting. Any other comments? Or If not, let's just pray real quick and we'll conclude this. Uh, dear Lord, thank you for all these men in this room today. Um, I just pray for their souls. Um, I pray that as they leave this retreat, Lord, and the things we talked about today, the quiet time, Lord, that you would speak um, to each of them individually. Help us all with our quiet time, Lord, our relationship with you. We uh, desperately need your guidance, your wisdom, your knowledge, your power, your revelation. Um, without those things, Lord, we're just out there just uh, just uh, swaying around in the wind. So um, we just pray, Lord, that you would uh, forgive us of our sins and that as we enter these quiet times with you, Lord, that you would speak to our hearts, that you would quiet our minds, and that um, you would teach us, Lord, everything that you have to teach us. Um, Again, we desperately need you in every way, and we just thank you for uh, we thank you, thank you for this retreat. We thank you for all the speakers, and we just thank you for your Holy Spirit that blesses this place this weekend. And we just want to let you know that we love you in your name. Amen. Amen. All right, thanks, guys. Thank you. Thank you. Great. You take that back to Houston.